Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. We have another special guest with us this episode, uh, New York Mets beat writer from MLB.com and co-author of um, upcoming book coming out in mid-October from Dutton Publishing, I believe. Uh, And it's titled The Captain by David Wright and uh, co-written by Anthony Tacoma with me today. How's it going, Anthony? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. Hanging in there. Uh, itching for baseball to start, but I guess in the meantime, kind of just uh, <laughs> catch watching old games. Uh, I, I found myself lost in watching the 1986 Masters right now uh, on ESPN, <laughs> and that, that's been pretty fun. But uh, but yeah, just, just hanging in there. Uh, very interested to hear about the book, man. How, how is that process? Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting process. I'd never written a book before. Obviously, neither had David. Um, so doing it together was, I think, a learning curve for both of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But what will probably come as zero surprise to anyone who who knows about David's personality is that he's great to work with. Um, never had to worry about you know him getting back to me or not doing something that he said he would do. Now he was to a T everything um, that you would expect. So. It was it was fun. It was fun to kind of dig in on aspects of his career, both well known and maybe not as well known. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about the finished product. We filed it to the publisher on March 1st. Uh, it's in edits right now. We'll still be going over some stuff for the next couple of months, I think. Um, but uh, I'm super excited for it to come out, uh, like you said, in mid October. And um, hopefully, we'll have some baseball going on at the same time then, which would be great. Uh, but even if we don't, you know, I think it's a, it's a story that's worth telling in terms of David's, um, you know, just how hard he worked, especially, uh, you know, both at the beginning, never probably the most talented guy out there, never the most, um, you know, the most blue chip prospect there was but to grind and make it to where he did. And then also at the end, as hard as he worked to get back just for one game or for two games, at the end, I think said a lot about his character. And I think that's a big, that's a big part of the story arc. And, and, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, he would like the book to be inspirational to people. Uh, so hopefully it is. I guess we were all hoping we're all really excited for it. I guess the, the most, I guess, alluring, uh, aspect, at least in my mind is, um, trying to get a glimpse into David's mindset as a player, as a person, I guess he, he was fairly reserved when speaking publicly during his playing days, does he, I guess he could say come out of his shell in the book. Yeah. I think he, he expands and expounds upon some things that maybe you might not have known during, um, or maybe were only hinted at at the time during say the 2015 playoffs and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> David's never, he's not the type of guy. He's he's not the type of guy. If you're looking for, you know, a book where he's going to be throwing nine of his former teammates under the bus, like this, this, <laughs> And that's just not his personality. Uh, and nor would I, would I ever expect that? Um, so, uh, you know, if that's what you're looking for, certainly look elsewhere, but no, but I think it's, um, especially for Mets fans who followed his whole career or followed even parts of his career. Um, some of the things that he gets into, and I won't give away spoilers, but especially during that 2015 playoff run, uh, talking about some of the times in the clubhouse, some of the things that stood out to him, I think we're super important, you know, super enlightening for, for me, for someone who covered the team and might not have known all that myself. Um, and then also kind of, as I mentioned earlier, I think, I don't think the 
casual fan or even the non-casual fan really truly understands what he went through from 2016 through 2018, grinding his body in all those different ways. And we really get into that in the later chapters of the book. And I think it's really super enlightening just in terms of uh, torture, for lack of a better word, that he put himself through uh, just to, to make sure that he uncovered every single stone in terms of trying to come back. Uh, I, I thought it was super interesting. I thought it was, uh, you know, a, a very deep look into his personality and what makes him tick. So I, I think that's a it's a, a bittersweet part of the book, but certainly a, an interesting part of the book. I was actually going to ask about, you know, I assume the injuries and, and, the, and the subsequent, you know, derailing of his career were, were discussed heavily. Um, I think we're all looking forward to that first person account of the process. Uh, I guess working with him so closely and getting into such detail, do you sense a lasting disappointment of how things turned out? Or is that the inspirational side of it? You know, I think it's both. I think certainly there is some disappointment that he wasn't able to author the type of ending to his career that he wanted. Uh, you know, I think in, in his perfect world, he wouldn't have come back for one game. He would have come back and been an impactful player again and led the Mets to a World Series and, you know, finally gotten that title that he wanted so badly. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a cliche, but he really did grind for that more than for anything else. He wanted to win so badly. So there's always going to be disappointment when he looks back at his career and realizes that he didn't do that. Um, and I, I'm sure he sees it as the fact that he wasn't able to make it back is, is a reason why they weren't able to do that. But all that being said, I think there's also a realist. And every day that goes by and every day that more that he's removed from his career I think he understands uh, that just wasn't in the cards for him. And the whole point of what he did grinding from 2016 to 2018 was so that he could, would never have to look back at his career and say, if only I had done this, or if only I had worked a little bit harder, or if only I had done something a little bit differently, I might've been able to make it back and make an impact and have my ending be different. He wanted to make sure he never would have been able to say that and he truly does feel that he did everything possible to try and come back. So I do think he looks back at his career with some satisfaction, knowing how hard he worked, knowing that he maximized his ability and what he was able to do in the game. Um, you know, he's not Mike Trout. He's not the most talented guy you're ever going to see out there, but he, he feels like he made the absolute most of his talent and what he was able to do and reached some pretty high points because of it. And I, I do think, you know, uh, while there is some disappointment, there's also a lot of pride in that. Oh, I think the whole aspect of leaving it out on the field and which is clearly what he did. I mean, the, 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 I guess the journey to, to making that comeback, um, I guess the emotional toll it must've taken to, to get over that hump and finally say goodbye to the game that, you know, gave him all, all this opportunity to live, uh, you know, comfortably to all these wonderful memories and just, you know, he, he's a, he's a baseball guy. And just, just to have to say goodbye to that, uh, you know, just due to outside um, influences, it's, it's, it had to have been an extremely tough, uh, tough time. And I guess he, he's publicly nixed the idea. And of course he's in the advisory role now with the, with the team. He's publicly nixed the idea of managing many times and it keeps on getting brought up, but and clearly he adores the game and, and he enjoys the continued involvement in an in, in, in advisory role. And that's cool. Now, do you, do you foresee an increase in his 
involvement in the front office uh, down the line or a possible change of heart as far as getting back into the daily grind of, of on-field operations or, you know, kind of he's happy where he is and he, he, you know, he, he got a lot out of this game and he, at this point, he's just not really ready to move. Or do you see this kind of being a, a possibility down the line? I think for right now, uh, he's plenty happy doing what he's doing. And admittedly it, with the front office stuff, it's not much. Uh, it's yeah. a few times a year, really, you know, maybe traveling or, or chiming in or doing what needs to be done. It's, it's texts, it's, you know, being a sounding board, that type of thing. And I don't think he wants anything more than that right now. Um, as far as down the line, uh, when his girls are older, uh, right now they're, they're what three and, uh, or, uh, yeah, three and one, um, when they're a little bit older, that could change. Um, and I don't think he's anticipating that or, or knows when or if that will change. I personally find it hard to believe that he's ever going to want to go back to the daily grind of being in uniform, of coaching, of managing. Um, I also think, you know, he's cognizant of his place in Mets history and there's probably a, a and, and I haven't talked to him about this specifically, but there's probably a notion in there somewhere that, you know, for most managers of most teams, a, a managerial tenure never really seems to end well. You know, you either, <laughs> you, you either even, even those who have had success kind of go out not on their own terms and this and that. And he was able to go out in the Mets uniform on his own terms. So maybe there's a little hesitation to, to ruin or, or to tarnish what was and is one of the greatest Mets careers there ever was. Um, but on the other hand, you know, maybe you get 15, 20 years removed from this and that itch just becomes too much and you do want to come back in some way. I tend to believe if that's the case, it'd be more on the front office side than the uniform side, but, but I could be wrong. And I think, I think as for right now, these are things that he's really not thinking about because he's very much enjoying his time at home with family. Uh, one of the things he said to me was that for so long, for years and years and years, really for his entire life, it was about him. And it was always about putting himself first because he had to, to be an elite athlete. He had to dedicate the hours to himself. And that took a toll on family. That took a toll on friends. Well, now for the first time, he's really, truly able to put his family first, to put his daughters first, to put his wife first. And I think he's relishing in that and really enjoying it. Um, and I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon. Certainly not as long as his daughters are, are young. No. And I think that expecting him to have a, a change of heart anytime soon regarding just an advanced role in any capacity, um, it would be far-fetched. I mean, as, as fun as, as that would be for the, for the fan base to have, you know, David Wright back in on a, even not on a day-to-day basis, just, Hey, David Wright's in the ballpark tonight. Like that's, you know, that's exciting for this fan base. Um, you know, you have to wonder whether I guess, like you said, it's an impeccable legacy that he left and that has to come into play as far as, you know, going out on top and, you know, the true top, of course, you know, didn't get there, got very close, but, um, like you said, he, he, he went out, the way he wanted to go out after the situation had changed. And um, there, there's certainly something to be said for that. And there's certainly a lot of pride involved in that. And, you know, I, I, I tend to lean your way that maybe down the line, if there's an itch, you might see some, some sort of maybe a, I guess, akin to George Brett um, in the Royals front office, uh, maybe five or so yeah. years ago, uh, you know, just an involved role. Um, 
It, it could be, you know, it would be exciting. It would be rejuvenating for the fan base. It at that point be nostalgic for the fan ba- fan base, and you know, we we eat that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for the twenty twenty season, uh, of course, I'm sure you've heard the proposed, uh, very, you know, at the beginning stages proposed uh, possible plan to play games in Arizona. Um, you know, we've all heard the details by now. Uh, players away from their family. Uh, you know, maybe there's going to be some exceptions there, but that's to be seen. Uh, you know, overwhelming health risks. Uh, it, you know, you have to wonder, do you think this is a feasible plan? Do you, do you feel this, that, that this is something that could gain momentum and actually come to fruition? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, and I, I don't have a great answer for you on this um, because I'm not privy to the details of so many logistical things that would have to get taken care of for a plan like that or anything similar. Um, and I do believe that this is just one of many plans that major league baseball is considering. And I think the other thing that we all need to keep in mind is that at the end of the day, um, you know, local and national governments are going to have a big say in what's possible as well. And that needs to be, um, you know, realized, but as far as whether it's feasible, I think, I think there is going to be, and already is, but the longer the summer goes on, I think there's going to be an appetite for baseball. And I think Major League Baseball, for if there's any chance of doing something that is both legal in terms of what they can do with the local and national governments, um, logistically feasible and safe, for players, for staff, for everyone who needs to be involved. I think they're going to pursue that. And I think they're going to pursue it aggressively because people miss baseball. Uh, Certainly those of us who are around it on a daily basis, we miss baseball a lot. Uh, I badly want there to be some semblance of a season. And if that's 80 games, great. If that's 40 games, great. If that's some sort of wacky postseason tournament that doesn't look anything like we're used to, great. Like I just want something. Um, So (laughs) as for... The Arizona plan, is that one the one that's going to happen? Probably not. I think, you know, maybe some modified version of that, maybe something completely different. Uh, like I said, I think all sorts of ideas are being bandied about. And, you know, what was leading the pack yesterday might not necessarily be leading the pack today. But the bottom line is this. I think there's a commitment to having baseball, if possible, and if safe, in 2020. And, and that's a good thing. Um, certainly, it's a good thing for Mets fans because... This was a team that had some potential. It could go places this year. And, uh, you know, you can say, oh, well, if they play 80 games and win a championship, that's not a real championship. You know what? It's still something. And it's still better than not playing at all, in my opinion. Oh, it's a championship. All right. You better believe that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I guess that's the ultimate goal. Uh, Some baseball is better than no baseball. That's that's the bottom line here. Um, Safety, I guess, just personally as a fan, safety is what is my number one concern. But uh, if they stick, I mean, bringing this, these may bringing it back in may and, and hoping for games in late may, early June, that just, it's, you know, for lack of a better phrase, it scares the heck out of me, but, um, you know, you have to wonder, um, of course, you know, there's motivation on all sides. Like you said, we love baseball and it brings along a, a sense of normalcy that we all kind of need right now. Um, 
you know, if you push it back to mid-June, July, when things are much, much safer on a national front, maybe we could actually do this, you know, regularly, just a shortened season, which would be, you know, excellent. But I'm open like you. I'm open to a short season. I'm open to a tournament. Just give us baseball. I was watching South Korean baseball like midnight the other night. It was it was really yeah. fun to watch, but we just need our fix, man. Now, a shortened or canceled season could really put a dent in the Mets plans moving forward with regards to Marcus Stroman, Rick Porcello, Michael Waka, uh, especially their arbitration heavy roster, um, the whole young core. Now, do you mm-hmm. think you, we're going to see a few extensions signed o- over the next few months in, a, in an attempt to sort of mitigate some of these pitfalls? I doubt you will see anything until we know what the season is going to look like. I think uh, the Mets and every team are going to be wary of um, – you know, creating a future when they don't really know what the future is going to look like. Um, and that, that goes for every single team out there. Um, so I don't think you're going to see very much in the way of transactions, in the way of extensions. I do think it's something that the Mets have to look at seriously. Eventually, I was somewhat surprised that they didn't uh, earlier this spring. Um, you know, some of the obvious candidates, whether it's Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, uh, not even the guys who are going to be up for free agency soon. Um, but I think those are guys that they need to look at trying to extend long-term because like you said, especially on the pitching side of things, uh, you have a lot of uncertainty after 20, after 2020, um, that 2021 rotation, you know, what are you looking at? So yeah, I think they need to be looking ahead and that's suddenly become a lot more difficult because we don't know what 2020 is going to look like. Therefore we don't know what 2021 is going to look like. And I think both from the team side and also from the player's perspective as well, you know, why am I going to sign an extension when I don't even know what I'm getting paid this year? Uh, so I think all that stuff is kind of on hiatus right now. And you can talk about it a little bit behind the scenes, but I wouldn't expect all of a sudden a flurry of two, three, four guys signing extensions in the next couple of months because there's just it's just not the focus of of what these guys are worried about right now. These guys are worried right now about just salvaging what they can of 2020. Yeah, I probably should have specified. I meant like closer to like, I guess, the end of the MLB calendar year, which would be, you know, after this has all been sorted out and once they know how they're going to proceed. Um, but I guess before these players hit free agency, which, you know, I guess you could say tentatively would be November-ish, even if there is no season played, they would still set a date. But, um, yeah, you know, before... Well, the fact, uh, look, the fact of the matter is this. The fact of the matter is the Mets are going to need three starting pitchers going into <laughs> 2021. So, you know, some of that's going to depend on on what winds up getting to the open market. Some of that's going to depend on can they, you know, negotiate an extension with a guy like Marcus Stroman. Uh, some of that's going to depend on how their prospects who are close to the big leagues, whether it's a David Peterson or someone else, how those guys develop over the season, if they're given a chance to develop over the season, if there is a minor league season, uh, all that stuff will play in and, um, and we'll see, you know, where this, where, where that's all at come August, September, you know, heading into off season. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is, this is, and that's why 2020 was so important for the Mets because they have a fully fully stocked, fully loaded rotation right now, and that's just not going to be the case going forward. Uh, doesn't mean they can't restock, reload, but there's a lot of uncertainty after this year. Yeah, it seems like they're really in the crosshairs as far as uh, decisions to be made following all this. All right, last one. Outside of an ERA near five over a five-start stretch following his trade here last year, Marcus Stroman was a sub-three ERA pitcher. 
throughout his other portions of the season throughout Toronto and from I guess his last six starts after his uh, after that little down downturn. Um, are you bullish on Stroman sliding into Syndergaard's vacated, uh, vacated spot in the rotation? I don't. I don't. I'm not sure Marcus Stroman's ceiling is what Noah Syndergaard's ceiling is, and that's no slight against Stroman at all. That's just because I've always felt Noah Syndergaard's ceiling is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, now, obviously, Syndergaard hasn't hit that ceiling, and Stroman has done very well for himself. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think Stroman's going to have a solid season. Um, I, I do think he has what it takes. I'm still a little skeptical about the whole ground ball defense thing. It didn't really hurt him that much in that short sample at the end of last year. And, and granted, Ahmed Rosario showed a lot of improvement at shortstop which should help. Um, so I, I look, I don't think you're talking about, uh, you know, a number, you know, a Cy Young candidate in Marcus Stroman, but I do think you're talking about someone who, you know, is not out of place in that number two spot in the rotation. So that's a good thing. Of course, where it, where it hurts you is at the back end of the rotation, you know, that competition that you had, whether you were on the side of Matt's Waka, Porcello, whatever it might be, um, well, those guys are all in the rotation now. So that depth you had, that margin for error you had, got a little bit slimmer. I liked what Brody Van Wagenen did this past offseason and making sure there was extra depth in the rotation. Um, but if someone else gets hurt, hurt now, where do you turn? Uh, you've got a little bit more. You've got some non-roster invites that were there in spring, veteran guys like an Erasmo Ramirez. You, you've got prospects. I mentioned Peterson earlier, and, uh, you know, Walker Lockett. And there are four or five guys in the organization that you would feel comfortable. Whereas this time last year, I wouldn't necessarily say that. So that's a good thing. But the bottom line is this, you lose a guy of Syndergaard's caliber, whether he overperforms, underperforms, whatever, that's 200 innings and it's tough to replace. And even if Marcus Stroman has a great year, you're still going to be missing Noah Syndergaard. Oh, it's yeah, it's almost impossible to to replace uh, what Syndergaard brings to the table. But I, I do like the idea of giving um, Stroman that that kind of chance to shine in, in the two hole. And I, I think he's at least from the outside looking in. He seems to be a player who kind of lives up to the um, to whether it be the, the pressure or expectations. He just kind of feeds off that, at least from a fan perspective. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm low key excited, but uh, we shall see I, again. We just we just want some baseball this year. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Anthony, I think we're all in agreement on that. <laughs> um, where can every I know I pre-ordered my my copy of the book on Amazon. Where can everybody find uh, the find, I guess, a uh, link to, to pre-order comes out in mid-October, right? Comes out on October 13th. Um, yeah. And it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, basically any any big box bookstore out there. Anywhere you would normally buy books, you'll be able to find it, which is great. It's called The Captain uh, by David Wright and Anthony DeComo. So just search for that and and you'll be good. And like I said, I'm super excited for it to come out. I hope I hope we, we've got a little more normalcy in our lives by October so we can do book signings and events and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, you know, that's that's the goal. That's the hope. And, and we'll see. But obviously, the safety of of everyone is is first. And and hopefully everyone can get through this these summer months well and healthy. Oh, we're, we're all hoping for it, man. Uh, Anthony can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, again, please stay safe. And, uh, we hope to be hearing from you soon. You got anything cooking for MLB.com coming up? Uh, working on some stuff. We've been doing all time team, which has been a lot of fun. Um, did second base this week. We'll be doing third base this, 
upcoming week. So I, I, I have a feeling that Mr. Wright's going to be getting some, some pub on that, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, we've been updating the site, you know, three, four times a week, which is, which is great. So, you know, even though there's no baseball, doesn't mean there's a, there's a lack of content. Great. We love to hear it, man. Anthony, thanks so much again for coming on everybody, you know, where to find us. Uh, and, uh, let's go, let's go Mets. We got no Mets to root for by right now, but, but you know, that's, that's the mantra. So we'll see you next time. And, uh, Anthony, thanks again. You got it. Take care.